Welcome to a special Christmas edition of the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I'm Ernesto Sanchez. I'm here with John Downing, and we're going to give you a Christmassy recap of this week in sports. Johnny. Yo. Merry Christmas, bro. Merry Christmas. Uh, how are things going with you? Fantastic. Fantasy Championship was won. Um, <clears throat> looking forward to legalized sports gambling coming Monday to online DraftKings in New Hampshire. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, it's a little sucks that the season's just about over, but it is in time for the playoffs. So, yeah, I was reading about it today, and Monday everything's going to be laid out, so you'll be able to go on to the DraftKings app and, boom, place wagers. And uh, needless to say, my wife, Christina... Very worried. Not happy about this. <laughs> <laughs> but I told her I have it under control. So Oh yeah, that's I'm what sure they all say. Reassuring. But problems we'll with gambling? Call one eight hundred gambler. We will keep you posted on my my, my bets. <laughs> I'm excited, man. Legalized sports gambling. Who would have ever thought? Well, I think it's the way of the future. I mean, with legalization comes sort of uh, regulation, and that's always a good thing for some of these uh, different businesses that have traditionally been more underground. Yeah, and then so with that, DraftKings announced yesterday that it's going public, uh, so they'll be on trading Hop on stock. Hop on that IPO, guys. Maybe. I don't know that it's a great idea. I, I don't know. I don't know. You don't want to get on get in on the ground floor, John? I'm not sure. I'm just not sure of how... You're already great. going to be giving them enough money as I, That's is. true. That's true. I, I am giving them enough money. Anyway, fantasy championships were won this past week. We got week 17 coming. Uh, the playoffs are coming. So it's an exciting time of the year. But also sad because football is coming to a close as it always happens every year. It this was kind of a crazy year, man. quick. I feel like this year had a ton of controversy and not... It was different than it has been in years past. So, like, so much the the, the refereeing issue this year really kind of just mired the whole thing. And then all of the injuries this year, star players that weren't able to uh, be on the field, and Antonio Brown, and the, you know, just like so much drama. Well, and here's the other thing I've been thinking about this a lot the past couple of days. Think about the playoffs this year and the quarterbacks that are going to be in it. All right. So, you know, you look at the NFC. You've got Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Kirk Cousins, whatever. And in the AFC, you have Mahomes, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, Tom Brady, just a, a lot of good quarterbacks. And the, the Russell Wilson for mm-hmm. the Seahawks is going to be in it. So They just lost a tough one, though. They did. But just the quarterback battles in the playoffs this year are going to be 
epic, I think. I mean, don't you think? Yeah. I, I mean, think. unless the Steelers get in, which you, you, you want the Steelers to get in because of the defense. But I just don't think that they have the offense to go in and beat a team like Kansas City. That's why, for me personally, this week I'll be rooting for the Titans because I think the new Tannehill Titans, where he looks like a new man, uh, I think they have a chance, and they've beaten the Chiefs before in the playoffs recently. Uh, so I think that they have a better shot than the Steelers. Unfortunately, I have been rooting for your Steelers, but just the offensive struggles. It's been tough. I mean, all of the interceptions in the red zone have just been killers, or the interceptions out of the out of the end zone. And um, truth be told, uh, I was really wrapped up in family Christmas stuff this weekend. Mm-hmm. Didn't have the opportunity to see the game. Uh, but from what I've read about it, it would have been pretty frustrating to sit through anyways. So, yeah. um, you know, I, again, and we've talked about this several times throughout this year. I am not, have not realigned my expectations. There was an opportunity uh, where I allowed myself to hope for you know 60 minutes and that was the bills game and after we lost that game in the manner in which we did lose that game just the interceptions man the interceptions just won't stop with the steelers and and all you need is just a little bit of offense and you might have something because your defense is really good not like it seems like you're not all time good but it's it's like it's just underneath that level it's really good i don't know if it's play calling or the quarterbacks just wanting to play themselves into a job and and trying to perform more than what they're actually capable of because it's their shot you got to shoot your shot when you have your shot and you've also the steelers have also dealt with their share of the injuries offensively too obviously with quarterback being Paramount, but then Juju and Connor just have not been able to get on or stay on the field once they are there. So, But getting back to what I was saying, I don't know if it's the individual players making these decisions or being limited by their abilities or if it's the play calling, but it doesn't seem like the Steelers' offense is content to dink and dunk and do the underneath stuff and get the short three- and four-yard plays that they have so much success doing. The receiving, the receiving core they have, though, they're their big bomb playmaking guys, though. The James Washington and Deontay Johnson are throw-the-ball-downfield type of guys. So just I get the that, offense and those things are still there, but uh, I feel the like the last couple games, the, the Bills game and this Jets game, again, the Jets game, just from what I've read, that we... Abandon the run, and of course some of that is thanks to Mr. Glass, James Conner, but abandoning the run early and not just trusting the process. Even if you do get a little behind, the defense is going to keep you in it. So don't worry if you're down one touchdown or ten points in the first quarter because they have a good chance of holding them for another two or three quarters to that score. So. Just trust the process, do what works, keep it small, keep it safe, and and they just don't seem to be doing that. But, I mean, we digress here. Um, Deshaun Watson, too, like I was listing the playoff quarterbacks this year, it's going to be special. Like, this is going to be a playoffs year that we haven't seen before as far as the quarterbacks go. Like, we have, like, the legendary quarterbacks, the up-and-coming quarterbacks. The quarterbacks in the playoffs this year are going to make for phenomenal playoffs. So if you were lukewarm excited, your team's not in it, Deal with it, because it's going to be some good stuff, I promise you that. We had a little lull in quarterback talent there for a while, and it, it seems like we've got a nice, 
good core yeah. of competent quarterbacks to, to move forward with. So a lot, lot to look forward to in the NFL. A lot to look forward today in our show here. We're doing a little special Christmas edition. Um, before we get any further, want to send uh, love out to Marty and Jade and baby Ronan. Uh, the little guy, unfortunately, had to go undergo surgery this morning. From what I hear, it's kind of a fairly routine procedure to alleviate some issue with uh, a muscle in his digestive tract or something reflux issue yeah yeah well they think it 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 presents as reflux but it's actually he's not able to uh, digest the food properly it doesn't go through whatever it is the surgery was successful and hopefully they're going to be headed home to enjoy their holidays Uh, and so love and thoughts to to marty and jade and baby ronan and wishing him a speedy recovery and and uh, hopefully things proceed forward uh, for them health-wise um, without any yeah. issues. Yeah, because that's that's got to be the scariest thing having having a newborn baby and and it having to go through something like yeah, that. Yeah, certainly. So. Yeah, I I agree. But that out of the way, uh, I suppose we should get into our episode forty-five uh, personalities. Johnny, you got a heavy hitter. Up. So I'll go first and get one Mr. Aaron Asham out of the way. Uh, journeyman NHL guy. Uh, played 15 seasons for six different teams. He was drafted 71st overall by the Montreal Canadiens in 1996 NHL entry draft. How do you spell his last name? Asham, A-S-H-A-M. Okay. Uh, fighter type guy. Hard, hard-hitting right winger. I think most known for his time in Philadelphia, uh, he had a nice quote saying, I've always loved the way the Flyers play and I fit in here. They play hard every night. They play tough hockey and I've always admired that. So uh, it w- wound up being in the 2010 uh, Stanley Cup Finals uh, with the uh, Flyers. They wind- wound up losing to the Blackhawks in six games. After that, he uh, signed on with the Penguins and that's kind of how I became familiar with him. One of those guys, I think um, there's an awesome clip that's been turned to a gift that you might have seen after a fight where he shushes the crowd and makes the sleep gesture. Yeah, I don't know why, I just can't remember this player, and I should. I mean, those, that Flyers team was the one that overcame the 3 nothing Bruins in the playoffs. So, I, I, don't, I can't remember him. Yeah, I mean, again, he he was one of those journeyman guys. He would only be on a team for for a couple years at a time. Uh, But for the Flyers, he had 31 fights. For the Islanders, he had 21 fights. 16 fights for the Canadians. 14 fights for the Penguins. uh, And 8 each for both the Devils and the Rangers. In 789 games, uh, he had 94 goals, 114 assists. Uh, for 208 points, 1,004 penalty minutes. So not a complete bust on the offensive side, but definitely a guy you'd, you'd love to cheer for when he's on your team. And now I turn it over to you, Johnny, for... Okay, my number 45. If you are a Red Sox fan from, I don't know, the last 20-plus years, it's Pedro Day. Uh, today we do number 45 for the... Red Sox, Pedro Jaime Martinez, born October 25th, 1971, former Dominican starting pitcher, pitched in the major leagues from 92 to 2009 for five teams, 
most notably the Red Sox from 1998 to 2004. So what I remember about Pedro is, you know, he was a lean, skinny player. He came up with the Dodgers in 92, 93, and then pitched for the Expos from 94 to 97. And, you know, he had a perfect game going into the 10th inning and was probably the best pitcher in the National League in 1997. Actually, yeah, he was. He won the Cy Young in the National League. And then Dan Duquette, the Red Sox general manager, goes out and signs him to a seven-year deal to pitch for the Red Sox. And it was like, oh, man, we got this unbelievable pitcher. And it was even more than that. He delivered even more than that because going to Fenway Park growing up and growing up 15 minutes from Fenway Park, going to the stadium before Pedro, you could always just get standing room tickets for $15 on the day of the game and go in and basically pick your seats, you know, find good seats where someone wasn't sitting. Once Pedro got to Fenway in 1998 and then Pedro Day happened and that was like Dominican Day at Fenway Park with all the flags were out, you couldn't get a seat. He, once Pedro came, that's when Fenway really transformed into what it is today. Big family-friendly Fenway sold out every single night impossible to get tickets or at least expensive to get tickets. Mm -hmm. And he put on a show and delivered almost every single time, especially in 98, 99, and 2000. There were just so many great Pedro moments and especially in the early years, they had the All-Star Game in 1999 when he start, struck out five of the first six batters at the All-Star Game at Fenway Park. Uh, and this was in the prime of the steroid era. And Pedro was just unbelievable, mowing everyone down, striking guys out. His ERA was always extremely low. His whip was low. Uh, he wasn't afraid to challenge hitters, throw high and, high and in. Um, you know, when the Yankees, he would throw up, up high and in to Derek Jeter, Alfonso Soriano. He wasn't afraid. He would never back down and always set the tone on the mound for the team. And I think that he was just instrumental in turning the Red Sox from a team that was good, decent, but never really had a chance of winning to a team that finally had a chance at winning. And then his time with the Red Sox culminated in 2004 with the Red Sox breaking the 86-year curse without winning the World Series uh, with a World Championship delivering um, that year. And, you know, he pitched uh, game three, I believe, of that World Series, and he was fantastic against the Cardinals. Uh, Pedro is an eight-time All-Star, World Series champion in 2004, uh, three-time Cy Young winner in 97, 99, and 2000. He won the pitching Triple Crown in 1999. He also should have won the MVP in 1999 as well. Pudge Rodriguez ended up winning it for the American League, but uh, the season that Pedro put together in 99 was just all-time, and you know, in the live ball steroid era, it's just it. He was 23 and four with a 2.07 ERA with 313 strikeouts. Um, that's just numbers that are rarely reached. Anyway, continuing, he was the MLB ERA leader in 97, 99, 2000, 2002, 2003. Strikeout leader in 99, 2000, and 2002. His numbers retired by the Red Sox. Number 45 hangs up uh, above right field. And he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2015 with a 91% first ballot uh, vote. And yeah, that's my number 45. Just one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player, is Pedro Martinez from the Red Sox. All right. Well, Johnny, we got a couple of things to talk about here. We'll get through them quickly and then move on to some holiday-related stuff. And we got to blast through this stuff anyways because we got to get you to a holiday party yeah but uh i don't did you hear about nbc sports 
having to suspend Jeremy Roenick without pay yeah. based on some dumb shit he said on one of my favorite podcasts, Spit and Chicklets. Something about a threesome? Uh, yeah, so it was uh, Catherine Tappanen, right, is on the... Catherine Tappanen. Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. So one of the things that they do on the podcast is they talk about how hot people are. Guys, girls, anybody can get it. And they're a little irreverent. And it's funny. It's really, really funny. And I think they do a good job of towing the line of being crass and um, hypersexualized, which, you know, coming from a restaurant culture, we're both very familiar. You know how I am. But an off-color remark was made about how hot she was. Uh, and he... You know, there was some allusion. I haven't heard the episode yet, but there was some allusion to a possible threesome, and Jr. was like, "Hell yeah, that'd be fucking awesome!" But uh, I don't think my wife's into that, and I'm pretty sure Catherine's not. <laughs> so I don't think we're going to be able to make it happen. Uh, and he also went on to uh, commend her for being one of the one of the most professional people in the industry. I mean, Catherine Tappan's fucking awesome. Yeah, like she's great. She's unimpeachable. Risen up from she was a former girl for the Bruins doing the Bruins games, and she's risen up to NBC. Yeah, fortunate. Yeah. And then also implicated in it is his comments about how hot Patrick Sharp is. <laughs> so, anyways, I I think it's a little overblown, and I'm hoping because uh, Jr. is awesome. In one of the campy pieces of the broadcast that actually works, uh, I thought what they what they were doing with Pierre was awful. You know, Pierre in between the glass was just oh, horrible. Right. And they finally heard the people on this one, and they got him out of there. And now uh, Brian Boucher is doing those, and he's fucking amazing. He's handsome devil too. Uh, but, but yeah, so I, the the comments are 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 not uh, terribly damning. He wasn't like, oh yeah, I'd bend her over and break her in half. Um, no, it wasn't that. No. He just commented on yeah, how hot fun. both uh, Tappanen and Sharp are, and uh, I, I feel like that's an unimpeachable fact. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, so there is comments from Catherine Tappanen saying that while Jeremy and I continue to be good friends, what he said was unacceptable, especially among workplace colleagues. I do not condone his comments. So that's it. Uh, she did mention that good friends. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure her husband has more of an issue with it than she does. <laughs> that's all. Yikes! It makes me a little concerned too uh, about the podcast going forward. And one of the one of the pieces of magic about the podcast is that it kind of goes to those places. And I wonder if more and more people are going to be more hesitant to seriously go there. Because that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. Well, I, I, I hadn't heard her comments on it as, when I was looking into it. Uh, she had yet to comment or I couldn't find it. But um, <clears throat> I guess hearing that she's uncomfortable with it, you know, you got to respect that. And, yeah, for sure. You know, that has to, to color your judgment on the situation. Uh, and we would be remiss if we didn't mention that the U.S., Gentlemen, we're victorious in the President's Cup. Uh, nice comeback down from three and a half points heading into the last day. Uh, and just about every 
uh, guy won his match, uh, starting with Tiger Woods leading leading off the way as the captain. Um, wish Marty was here to uh, extrapolate further on that, uh, but again, just wanted to congratulate the uh, U.S. men's uh, what what is it called? Golf Association, golf team, the International Boys. All right, now getting into football, we are two weeks behind. So I figure what I'll do here is just recap the week 15 contested picks. You had yourself a little bit of a brutal week in that regard, Johnny. Okay. And then we'll talk about some of the notable games from this week 16. And then a, a look forward. We're still in hot contention in our personal pick em against the spread uh, league, so I know you don't want to betray too many secrets, but uh, we've been doing it all year. So I know. I know. <laughs> for the for the sake for the of the sake podcast, of the show, we'll do it. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, so first up, we had Chicago at Green Bay. You had chosen the seventh and six Bears uh, to at least cover that four and a half point spread. They wind up losing thirteen to twenty one. Next, we had. The 5-8 Devin Broncos heading into Kansas City. Kansas City minus 10. Denver losing 3-23. to 23. Yeah, Next up, rough pick there. you had chosen Cleveland at Arizona. Uh, Arizona getting 2.5 points. Cleveland wound up losing 24-38. to 38. The collapse of the Cleveland Browns continues. And yet I picked them. Yeah, that was dumb. Next up, we had the Los Angeles Rams. You had chosen them to head into Dallas and beat the Cowboys at home. Uh, Dallas was plus one in this game, and they won 21 to 44. Yeah, the Cowboys look good here, but we know what happened next week. So. <laughs> A little, well, that's what they like to do to their fans. They like to bring them up and smash them down. <laughs> next up, we had. The Atlanta Falcons going to San Francisco. The 4-9 Falcons facing the 11-2 49ers mm. at home. The 49ers minus 11 in this game. And the Matt Ryan show continues 29-22. to Yeah, maybe I shouldn't be so excited about gambling. <laughs> I mean, this kind of stuff can happen, you know. And then lastly, mercifully... Keeping us, the, the, Marty and I's contested picks, from overtaking you. Indianapolis at New Orleans. You had chosen New Orleans uh, to win by nine. And they, of course, won seven to 34. Yep, that was the end of the, end of the season. Basically, the end of the season for the Colts. That was the elimination party and the Drew Brees touchdown record party. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on Drew Brees and sort of his legacy for football and what what this has meant surpassing Peyton Manning? Mm. Longevity is impressive. The career is impressive, um, but you got to keep in mind it was in a dome. Half his games were over. Half his games every year were in a dome. At least nine. At least nine of his sixteen games every year were in a dome. Eight in New Orleans and then one in Atlanta. Every year has been in a dome, not including whether they played. You know. Indianapolis, Minnesota, uh, any dome teams. And you got to play outside in warm weather stadiums, you know, Tampa Bay. Carolina's not super warm, but it's not freezing cold either. Um, 
So, yeah, you got to think he is a great quarterback, and he's done a lot. He's won a Super Bowl, and he's certainly a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, but I don't think he's in my top ten. Can we coin the phrase dome bias? Yeah, I mean, I think if you had <laughs> if Tom Brady was in a in a dome, jeez, you know, because Drew Brees' numbers inside versus outside are stark differences. Like it's a big gap for his passer rating inside to outside. So there's something to that. We're getting on to the goings on of week 15. Do you have anything to say about the fallout from Spygate 2.0 and kind of how everything shook out? So the latest report from Pro Football Talk and Mike Florio is that the NFL is investigating, but they're having difficulty connecting the dots. They've taken phones and computers and stuff like that, but they can't find anything linking the two departments, the video, the craft sports video department with the football department, and they have grown, uh, in quotes, frustrated by that, which I, I say to myself, all right, the NFL is frustrated that they're not finding anything? Like, fuck off, NFL. Seriously. Like... Why, why do you need to be frustrated by that? If there isn't anything there, then there isn't anything there. Let, let's go. Move on. If there's something there, there's something there. But to get frustrated, that doesn't seem unbiased to me. <laughs> I guess this means this is, this is an ongoing issue. We'll keep uh, they're looking. checking back in. Yeah, they're digging. They're, they're, and they're, I'm sure they're going to keep digging until they find something. But nothing's standing out to them. And their frustration level grows for the NFL to try to find the link between football and the video department so i will see okay of course new england did win that game yeah they 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 struggled in that game in the first half very smart of them to let the cincinnati (laughs) Bengals hang in there for the first half just to kind of mitigate some of the they don't have anything yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) yeah and then the gilly lock with two interceptions, one return for a touchdown in the second half, shut it down. The Patriots end up winning 34-13. to Offense looked a little bit better in that game. And as we know, in week 16, it, it Well, it offense, offenses tend to look good against the Bengals. It doesn't matter, though, because for them, the Patriots' offense didn't look great last year after they lost back-to-back games at Miami and at Pittsburgh. And then their final two games were at home against Buffalo and the Jets, and they found something, and that's where they found what they found, and they took it and turned it into a Super Bowl winning run. So it doesn't really matter if who you play against, it's if you find something. And I think that they are starting to find, some, find something. And they started to in that Bengals game. It took them a little while, and then they carried that over to Week 16's game against the Bills on Saturday night. And I think that's, if you're a Patriots fan, that's a good sign. If you were really worried about this team and the potential for it to win its seventh Super Bowl, I think that you, I, I can tell you this. I'll tell you that the media is concerned that now the Patriots look like they are back to being a legitimate threat to either the Ravens or the Chiefs or whoever they play if they get to the Super Bowl. So if you're a Patriots fan, you have to feel good about that. I do. Yep. The other thing uh, that happened in Week 15 was the death of the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, not no mathematically. No, they're still alive, man. You and your you and your giving we, up easily. We learned that it was over. We it just didn't show up. Duck Duck didn't have it. The magic ran out. Five interceptions, Johnny. Four, I think. 
Four. Oh, five turnovers, right. Yeah, yeah four interceptions, five turnovers. It's it's tough. It's really, really tough. You know, all world defense right now, but just can't put it together offensively. Uh, frustrating injury wise. You know, Juju missing five games, six weeks was really tough for our season. Not having Vance McDonald in that Buffalo game, but I, there's a lot to be happy about and look forward to. Like I can't wait to see James Washington go up there for a Ben Roethlisberger pass. I can't wait to see what Deontay Johnson does when he has the accuracy of a future Hall of Famer uh, hitting him 65 yards deep. You know, the, the poise and the experience and the knowledge that Ben has, I'm really excited looking forward. I, you know, even if we do make the playoffs, we're going to be – I will – Sell my left kidney. Won't be worth a damn, considering, you know, chemo and how much you drink. But <laughs> if we if we can win a playoff game, I will bet an Oregon against it. Yeah, considering it's likely to be at Kansas City. Yeah. yeah. So, either way, um, I'm satisfied with, with the season. I, I got a lot to look forward to. I have a lot to be thankful for and happy for that... This Duck Hodges didn't show up until his fifth game. Uh, and, and, you know, to, to have your third and second string uh, quarterbacks be in this kind of roulette is not a great place to be. So, um, yeah. yeah. And that's all I have to say about that. All right. <laughs> Moving on to week 16. All right, week 16, we started off with three games on Saturday. The first game was the Texans beating the Buccaneers 23-20. to The Texans' offense continued its disappearing act as um, it took Jameis Winston throwing four interceptions and the Texans' defense saving the day for them to pull it out. But the Texans did win 23-20, to clinching the South Division in the AFC. Uh, that game was followed up by the Bills at the Patriots, and it was a very important game for both teams. The Patriots end up winning 24-17, clinching the AFC East for the 11th consecutive season, which is pretty impressive if you, don't, if you, if you ask me. Uh, I thought Tom Brady looked the best that he's looked all year, and like I said, the offense looked a lot better in this game. Uh, there were a few plays right before halftime where it turned from a 10-3 game that could have been even more, maybe a 13-3 game at halftime. And uh, poor clock management and Mohamed Sanu making a couple errors led to the Bills getting the ball back with under a minute to go and scoring a tying touchdown 10-10 at halftime. But then in the third quarter, the Bills went ahead 17-10, and I was a little nervous when Edelman left with a concussion check um, injury. But the Patriots just kept on fighting the way that they they do and they've been known to do over the years. And the Patriots end up getting the go-ahead touchdown late in the game, followed by a two-point conversion to go up 24-17. And then they held on the final Bills drive, uh, forcing a fourth fourth and goal down on the 15-yard line. And they were able to bat down the Josh Allen pass to Cole Beasley. I thought the defense looked really good. I thought Josh Allen looked good, too. Uh, If you're a Patriots fan, though, this is the game you feel good about and you want to take this momentum, carry it forward to Miami. Hopefully you clinch the bye. And if you get the bye, then you have the home home field divisional game 
win that game, and then you're in the AFC Championship. So we'll see what happens. But this was a game the Patriots needed if they wanted to get that bye, which I think that they absolutely needed this year if they want to get back to the Super Bowl because I think the path of having to go play a home wild card game and then at a division opponent, at a championship game opponent, just to get to the Super Bowl was a path that probably wasn't going to suit the Patriots best this year, especially being that there are a lot of older guys on the team with Edelman and Brady. I think that they absolutely need that week playoff rest by this year, and it looks like they should have it. They're a 15.5-point favorite week and next week against Miami at home. So uh, This was actually one of, well, probably the only game I was able to get eyes on because uh, it was on while I was at work. And I will say the one thing that gave me a little bit of pause when thinking about it from the perspective of a Patriots fan is, you know, at the end of the fourth quarter, there was a moment where <clears throat> I thought the quintessential Tom Brady drive was about to happen where, you know, he's got the ball late in the game and he's just going to drive it all the way down the field and at least put some points on the board to kind of put that nail in the coffin. The Bills were in it to the very end. And yeah. uh, and um, so that's the, that's the one thing that kind of struck me as, as different about this team as opposed to other teams before. And, and I think that could be a personnel issue because in those situations, you saw it against... Um, the Steelers, you know, a couple years ago when you had a Rob Gronkowski that you could throw to and he's going to take it all the way down the field and and just take care of it for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you guys lack that player for Tom. Agreed, but he did a very good job spreading the ball around evenly. He had a season-high completion percentage in this game. And Nikhil got on it, huh? And Yeah, Nikhil Harry's getting involved. Um Sony Michelle had his best game following Landon Roberts, the defensive guy they have playing fullback now. And every player that Brady targeted in the passing game, which is nine players, all those players had a reception. So it was classic Tom Brady, just getting it to the open man, open man making the play. So, And the kicking game was really good too. I thought Nick Folk had his best game as a Patriot. So yeah, uh, the final game on Saturday was the Niners beating the Rams, thirty-four to thirty-one. Late Emmanuel Sanders catch led to a game-sealing Robbie Gold field goal. Uh, that was the final nail in the coffin for the Rams' season this year. Um, and the Niners are in play to get the number one seed, or at least a bye if they can beat Seattle in Week Seventeen. Um, on to Sunday's games. What were the notable games? We got the Falcons and the Jaguars. Falcons won 24-12. Tom Coughlin was fired this week. Next game was the Ravens over the Browns, 31-15. Odell Beckham had a little bit of an outburst in this game. It took the Ravens a while to get started. Uh, but they did after halftime, or right before halftime, the Browns made a, a series of mistakes, which is not unusual, right before halftime, that allowed the Ravens to get two touchdowns underneath the two-minute warning to go up, and then the Ravens took care of it in the second half. Um this allowing Lamar Jackson to rest next week, thus keeping the Steelers' playoff hopes alive. Yeah, and then and one of the more interesting games of the week, the Saints went to Tennessee and won 38-28. It was noted that this game was meaningless for the Titans as far as their playoff chances, which is unusual because it seemed like they needed to win. But based on all the tiebreakers, 
you know, what they needed to happen. It, it all comes down to the Titans game week 17 at Houston. That's the game they need to win. Um, and this game was essentially meaningless to them. But they fought hard. They came out, built a 14-0 lead, and then the Saints came back late. Alvin Kamara had his first two touchdowns since week three. So it was good to see him get get involved if you're a Saints fan and get in the end zone. Jared Cook had two touchdowns, and actually Drew Brees looked really good outdoors in that game. Uh, the next meaningless game is the Colts, 38, over the new newly led Will Greer at quarterback for the Panthers. Uh, Colts, 38, Panthers, 6. Uh, not much to say about this game. And in a, a opposite of good game, the Dolphins beat the Bengals 38-35 to in overtime. The Bengals scored 23 points in the third quarter, and Andy Dalton was magnificent late, even converting a late two-point conversion to tie it. But the Dolphins were able to kick the winning field goal in overtime to take the uh, victory. Um, and the Bengals remain with one win, and the Dolphins move to a team with four wins. Uh, so the Bengals keep in line. Even if they won this game, they still would have been in line for the number one pick and the Joe Burrow uh, pick. Uh, the next game is your team. The Jets, at home, defeat the Steelers 16-10 to in the Le'Veon Bell revenge game. Oh, is that what we're calling it? Uh, you know, <laughs> he he certainly viewed it as that. He you saw him coming into the stadium in his, his Steelers colors, which I thought was odd. Uh, but he ended up having a classic Le'Veon Bell game, 72 yards on the ground, um, Eh, I guess the the new Le'Veon Bell. 21 yards through the air, four catches, no touchdowns. Um, Jets' offense wasn't great, but the Steelers' offense was worse. The next game is the Loser Bowl Part 2. Uh, the Giants went to Washington and defeated the Redskins 41-35 in overtime. Uh, like the Bengals did in the fourth quarter, the Redskins scored 14 points late to tie it, only to see themselves lose in overtime and Daniel Jones threw five touchdowns in this game and I'm sure for fantasy owners it's a little too late but man Saquon Barkley looks to be healthy again between his game last week and his game this week he had uh, this past week against the Redskins he had 290 total yards and two touchdowns just a, an absolute monster performance do you hammer him on DFS next week uh, I don't know. Or this I, week, I should say. Depends who they play. Oh, they play Eagles. So probably not. <laughs> no. uh, the next game is the Broncos, who are playing well under Drew Locke, beating the Broncos 27-17. to And then here's some surprising news. The Raiders defeat the Chargers 24-17, to staying in playoff contention. So we'll get to some of those scenarios when we look forward to the week ahead. But, yeah, the Raiders are in play for that number six seed in the AFC. And then, unfortunately, we don't have Marty here to talk about his Cowboys going on the road, losing to the Eagles, 17-9, to basically eliminating themselves from the playoff race and winning the NFC East, or least, as it's known. Uh, the Eagles, once again, come up big in a big game. Carson Wentz was fantastic. And an injured Dak Prescott, I'll give you, and then the lack of feeding Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper uh, bagging out of plays in the fourth quarter on fourth down led to their demise. How can they forget to feed Zeke? Every time they do, he does the gesture. Yeah, it should I be know. a good reminder. 
He he did get for what it's worth. He did get stuffed a lot on first downs. Uh, there were a lot of negative, a lot of zero yard gains, negative one yard plays, and you know very few eight to ten yard gains on first downs. So I think that they just grew impatient and were like, we need to win this game. Um, but you're right. You're right. Dak wasn't great in this game, and he was rested all week with that injury, and he didn't look great. And when the throws were needed, he couldn't make them. Didn't make them. And the Eagles, the Eagles are a big game team, right? I mm-hmm. went, after winning that Super Bowl against the Patriots a couple of years ago, and then you know that playoff run, and then the playoff run even last year, you know they surprised people. So I think the Eagles are just when it's when it's big game time, they they play well. And the most the other thing is adding to the quarterback list for the playoffs coming up is if Carson Wentz is there. Carson Wentz has looked unbelievable lately, and so has their running back Miles Sanders helped me win a fantasy championship along with Christian McCaffrey. I think they found something in Miles Sanders. Hopefully Jordan Howard coming back at running back doesn't screw that up for the Eagles, and hopefully they continue to use Miles Sanders because he, he looks like a difference maker along with Carson Wentz because uh, they are lacking at receivers with all their injuries. Um, but yeah, it's a shame. The only way the Cowboys can get in is if they beat the Redskins in Week 17 and the Eagles lose to the Giants in Week 17, which is a p- possibility because those two teams don't like each other. So, uh, but we'll get a- get to that in a minute. Uh, the final games here: the Cardinals uh, take a page out of the Falcons' play- playbook from the week before. The Falcons went into San Francisco and upset San Francisco the week before. This week, the Cardinals, who always play the Seahawks tough. Uh, play went into Seattle and knocked off the Seahawks 27 to 13. Kyler Murray gets hurt, but more importantly, the Seahawks and their injury woes uh, are almost surmountable at this point. Uh, Josh Gordon, we saw him get suspended earlier in the week for more of the drug abuse addiction issues that he's dealt with. But then on the field, we stay off the weed. Stay off the weed. On the field, we had Chris Carson go out with a hip injury and it looks like he's out for the season. Backup running back. Uh, Rashad Penny is already out for the season. Third string running back CJ Procise broke his arm. He is going to be out for the season. So we have the return of Marshawn Lynch. He is back with the Seahawks. He signed yesterday. Beast Mode Mode is back in Seattle. We'll see what what he can offer the team. Uh, But they they also lost their best offensive tackle, Dwayne Brown. Uh, So he's going to be out for a little while. I'm not sure if he'll make it back in time for the playoffs. We'll see. And then the Sunday night game was the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes going into Chicago, beating the Bears 26-3. to uh, The Chiefs look like a finely tuned machine right now. Mahomes in the offense doesn't look phenomenal, but they look like they're good enough, efficient, and Mahomes look like he's getting back to his old self. Maybe not the numbers of last year, but still doing some damage. And the surprising thing is the Chiefs' defense has been the best in the NFL over the last five weeks, allowing just under 10 points a game. And last but not least, last night, the conclusion of Week 16, we had the Packers and Aaron Rodgers go to Minnesota and beat the 0-9 on Monday Night Football, Kirk Cousins, 23-10, clinching the NFC South or NFC North, sorry, for the Packers and keeping them alive for the bye and the number one overall seed in the, AF, in the NFC. Meanwhile, the Vikings. Um, Will, will will either be the fifth or the sixth seed. All right. That's week 16 wrapped up. Wrap it up like a Christmas gift. So it all comes down to this, Johnny. Week 17. 
Yeah, most of the spots are locked up, but there are some interesting scenarios that we'll get into as we break down these games a little bit for you. So we're all tied up in our personal picks here. Uh, where we had left it at the end of week 14, it was 35 to 39. And after week 15, going one and five, we're all tied up here. So I think going into this last week here, I'm only going to contest five. So that, that way we don't wind up with a tie because nobody wants that. Okay. Does that, does that seem reasonable? Sure. Okay. First game, we'll just get right into it. New York Jets at Buffalo. Buffalo minus one and a half. So I see this as a game... The reason Buffalo's minus one and a half is because it, I'm pretty sure the way it's shaping up is Buffalo's going to use this as a bye week for their best players because they're going to be in the playoffs the following week. They're locked into the number five seed. So the reason Bills minus one and a half is because their best players will be getting some rest. So I'm going to take the Jets plus one and a half. Alrighty. Next we have Miami at New England. New England at home with... More than two touchdowns, they got to overcome 15 and a half points. Yeah, I'm going New England minus 15 and a half here, laying the wood. We saw Belichick say in his postgame press conference that they are in playoff mode. They said uh, before the Buffalo game that playoff mode began with that game, and we saw how they performed in that game, and it was good, and I think they're going to continue that because they know what's at stake here. It's a bye week if they win this game, so I think they're just going to lay the pedal to the metal and... Drop, drop the fish. Squish the fish here. Next, we have the Battle of Ohio. Cleveland at Cincinnati. Cincinnati plus two and a half. Here. Yeah, I think Cleveland's just going to melt down. I think this this should be Freddie Kitten's last game. Um, I'm going to go Bengals plus two and a half. They can win and still have the number one pick. So, yeah. I think the Browns are in meltdown mode. I'm going to go ahead and contest this one. Nice. You ride with the Browns. I don't want to ride with them. I don't want to ride with them either, but I... <laughs> They haven't let me down. That's not that's not true. They let me down last year pretty bad. Alright. Uh Green Bay at Detroit. Detroit plus twelve and a half. Uh, I'm gonna go Green Bay here. Nothing strong feeling about it. It's, just, <laughs> it's a lot of points on the road, but they are trying to play for the one seed, so um, and David Blau has shown his colors as not a very good quarterback. So, yeah, I'll go Packers. Okay. Next we have Los Angeles Chargers at Kansas City. Kansas City at home, minus 8.5. KC seems to be rolling right now, so I'll just keep it going. Chiefs minus 8.5. Although this could be Rivers' last game as a Charger, so I do expect him to fight, but the Chiefs are just playing too well right now, so... It could be a tricky spot here. Nothing. I don't love this game, but I'm going to go with the team that's playing playing really well. Okay. Next we have Chicago at Minnesota. Um, Minnesota only minus one here. That's another situation like the Bills where the Vikings are locked into the playoff spot. And so I'm, they're likely to use this as a bye week for their best players. So you won't see Cook or, or Diggs or Thielen or even maybe Cousins. Um, and that's why they're only favored by one. So, it's, you know, if the Vikings are sitting their best players, it's hard to take them. 
even though they are a good home team. Uh, I'll go with Trubisky and the Bears here, plus one. Okay. Next we have Atlanta at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay minus one. Can Matt Ryan keep it going? Mm, I think so because the Buccaneers are just so injured at receiver and their offensive weapons. If Chris Godwin comes back, then I might change my mind. But as of right now, you know, Evans and Godwin are out for the Buccaneers and Winston released. You know, struggled with the interceptions against the Texans last week, and I could see him struggling again. And the Falcons just seem to be—they seem to be finishing the season strong with Matt Ryan and Freeman and Julio Jones. So I'm gonna go Falcons plus one. Uh, I kind of want to contest this. Yeah, that's a—it's a good one to contest, I think. Yeah, I think. It's a toss up. Yeah, I think Winston has a, a bounce back game, and also. I think the Falcons have been a little bit overperforming for what they are and what they have. I think they were underperforming early, mm-hmm. and then they, you know, they've sort of they won a bunch of big games. So there's bound to be a letdown, especially because this game doesn't really mean anything. So I'm gonna pick Tampa Bay here. Okay. Next we have New Orleans at Carolina. Carolina plus thirteen. Yeah, I'm going to go Saints here, go with the favorite. They are playing for the bye, and I, I think they get it, and they cover. You know, these division games can be tricky, but Will Greer did not look great last week against Indianapolis as they lost by 32. And as we know that the Saints are a, definite, a better team than the Colts. So yeah, if you want to do it that way, the Saints two weeks ago destroyed the Colts at home. Last week, the Colts destroyed the Panthers, so shouldn't the Saints like, annihilate the Panthers? <laughs> Double destroy. It doesn't really work that way. I, I see your destruction and raise but, you another. But um, I'm going to pretend like it does work that way. So New Orleans minus 13. Okay. Next we have Washington at Dallas. Dallas minus 11 here, but just a broken Yeah, I'm going team. Washington plus 11 on a, a pick that I like. Because I, I feel like Dallas may just be like, that's it. Whatever, who gives a shit? I bet their preparation this week is going to be lacking. Dak, we know he's he's hurting. Uh, I I can see Washington going in there and being like, yeah, let's 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 beat them while they're down. I like it. Oakland at Denver. Denver minus three and a half. Now this game, what the hell, man? All right, so Oakland to reach the playoffs this week. There are some scenarios that we need to. Explore. The Raiders need four things to happen this week. And uh, 538, was it Nate Silver's site, analytics site, gives it a 12% chance of all of this happening. The Raiders need to win their game against the Broncos, first and foremost. They need Baltimore to beat the Steelers. They need Houston to beat the Titans. And they need Indy to beat Jacksonville. All things like, especially in a normal world where nobody's sitting, these are all things you might expect to happen, right? <laughs> right? Baltimore beating Pittsburgh, right. Houston beating, or yeah, Houston beating the Titans at home, and the Colts beating the Jaguars. But there's some funny situations here with the Ravens not playing their their best players, the Texans maybe not either, and who knows what the Colts are playing for at the Jaguars. So it gets a little tricky. But if these four things happen, the Raiders finish. With the number six seed in the AFC playoffs. So I, I don't want that to happen. 
because I don't think the Raiders stand a chance going into Kansas City and mm-hmm. facing Kansas City in week one. And clearly Vegas doesn't think so either. If they have Denver minus three and a half in a game the Raiders absolutely need to win. So I'm going to go Denver here, laying the three and a half points. Because I think that everyone's going to take the Raiders, thinking the Raiders are need to win this game. But the Broncos are their rival, their hated rival. Like these two teams hate each other. Like Red Sox, Yankees hate each other. So the Broncos are going to be like, you're not coming into our house and getting a playoff spot. So and I think Vegas is, is on to that, is hip to that, and that's why the line is what it is. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about Denver minus 3.5 here. All righty. Next we have Arizona at the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams minus 7.5. So it looks like Kylo Murray will be out this game. He left the last game with injury to his hamstring. That doesn't make me... I, I I don't feel great about this game either way. Two teams with nothing to really play for. Um, but I'll go with the Rams minus 7.5. Just for the hell of it. Okay. Next we have Philadelphia at the New York Giants. The Giants are plus 4.5 here. So the Eagles just need to win, and they win the NFC East. Right? And... What time do the Cowboys play? The Cowboys, oh, so the Cowboys are at 425 as well, and the Eagles are going to be 425 as well. So, you know, there'll be some definite scoreboard watching happening in this game. Now, just like the Broncos hate the Raiders, the Yankees hate the Red Sox, and vice versa, the Giants and the Eagles hate each other just as much. Mm-hmm. Could you see a scenario where the Giants can upset the Eagles? Because the line is only four and a half here. I'm going to take Giants plus four and a half. All right. I was hoping you would choose that because I very much wanted to contest okay. in the direction of Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia might Lane. win like a late field goal in this game. I, th- I think Philadelphia is going to lay some fucking wood in this game. Okay. Wouldn't it be exciting, though, like if Dallas is losing and spit it to Washington like and is trying to pull it out at the end and Philly's losing to the Giants so Dallas has a chance to get in <laughs> and then, but they're exciting. losing to the Redskins <laughs> that would be crazy I'm rooting for you know do you think Haskins if root- they wind up winning would manage to make it out there to to take the last snap <laughs> I don't know they've been playing better Haskins was hurt last game in case Keenum came in so it might be better for the Redskins if they go with Keenum yeah um, but I don't know, man. I, I just I'm, I like to root for chaos, and it'd be fun to watch some chaos on it Sunday. Would, that would be that would be a fun wrinkle to to enjoy. Next, we have Indianapolis at Jacksonville. Uh, Indy minus three and a half here. Yeah, at the opposite of chaos happening here uh, in a game that absolutely nobody cares about, unless you're wagering on it. Actually, that's not true because the Colts are involved in some tie-breaking scenarios. I know that. Oakland's relying on Oakland them. is relying on the Colts to win. And if Tennessee loses, they're also the Tennessee will be relying on the Colts to lose as well. So the Colts play a factor, even though they're eliminated, they can't get into the playoffs. They do play a factor. Um, whether they give a crap or not, who knows? They're just they're a factor. Um, but I will go Indy minus three and a half here just because I think that they're a more talented team. The Jaguars fired their president. What, 10, day, 10 days ago? So uh, they did not look inspired last week. So I'm, I'll go Indy minus three and a half here. Okay, next we have Pittsburgh at Baltimore. I want to know what your thoughts are here. I mean, Baltimore so it's been plus at, two and a half. 
We got Baltimore plus two and a half. We've, they've announced that they're sitting Lamar Jackson and Ingram and some of their best players. I'm still afraid of it. Yeah, I don't feel good as about a Steelers it. player. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel good about it either. Uh, I haven't seen anything in the last two le- weeks that would give me any confidence. I know the Ravens uh, really going to allow the Steelers to get into the playoffs. They're just going to allow that to happen. Yeah, I mean, who knows how much of their defense is going to These be two teams hate each other. Sitting, yeah. You know, so, they're not going to let you, the Ravens aren't going to let the Steelers come into their stadium and get a playoff spot on them for with for nothing, you know what I mean? They're just going to let it happen, for that's for sure. Um, but the Steelers also need a little help. They need to win this game and they need the Titans to lose. Uh, so the Titans win and they're in. But the Steelers, they need the Titans to lose, which is a distinct possibility. And then they they'll they win and they're in. So, man, this is a tricky one. I'm going with the. I've been going in my pattern this for this week has been going with the teams that that need that need it or are playing for something. So I'll, I'm going to stick with that pattern and go Steelers minus two and a half. But I. I <sighs> well, I certainly can't contest that. Oh, all right. So you know what? So I'll I'll, I'll flip then. You'll I'll go. I'll, the go other way? I'll go Ravens plus two and a half. Okay. Right. That way you can take the Steelers here. Thanks, Johnny. I appreciate that. Because Lord knows what I'll be rooting for, but right. I, I have very, very little confidence. Man, come um, 730, 8 o'clock, 7.30 around Sunday night, it's going to be, there'll, there'll be some fun happening in football, hopefully. It'll be fun to keep track of, for sure. Yeah. And then moving right into the game you were talking about, Tennessee at Houston. Houston plus three and a half here. Yeah, so this is a game where I think that, it's another game where Houston looks like they're going to be sitting their best players in this game and going to be using it as a buy because they're going to be playing the following week no matter what. So the, even though these two teams played less two weeks ago and Houston beat them in Tennessee, in this game we get Tennessee favored. Higher stakes. High, it was higher stakes, but Tennessee is now favored by three and a half. So it, that tells you that Houston's going to be sitting some guys. But can Tennessee take advantage and beat them? And I... I'm going to say yes, they can. I'm going to go Tennessee minus three and a half here. Okay. I'd prefer it at three, obviously, but I'll take it at three and a half. All right. And finally, our last game of the season, San Francisco at Seattle. Seattle plus three at home. I'm going to go with the 49ers here, minus three, just because the Seahawks are ravaged with, with injuries, and this game is for... So much, the winner of this game gets the NFC West title and likely a bye. Uh, the loser has to play on the road likely the following week. So the stakes are enormous in this game. So it's hard to bet against Russell Wilson here. But I just think there's so many injuries for the Seahawks. And, you know, I can't see how Lynch is going to be up to speed, ready to get a full workload in five days after being signed. And, yeah, I'm going to go Niners here on the road, minus three. Okay, uh, obviously I'm going to contest that. I think we're going to see a little Russell Wilson magic. Um, and I'm excited to see what Beast Mode can do in his return. Um, who knows how well he's been taking care of himself. He might as might have just been eating Skittles and smoking blunts this whole time. Quite possible. Uh, if you follow his Instagram, it seems like that's what's been <laughs> happening. But... Uh, uh, I think it'll be an awesome, hard-fought battle, and, and I think 
Seattle may not win, but they'll. It, it's going to be a real close game. So should I feel, be a good game. Yeah, I feel I feel good about uh, contesting it, Johnny. This has been a fun thing we've done this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little wrinkle to the picks against the spread, and we'll have to get together with Marty and figure out what kind of penance the loser will have to do. Yeah, I I agree. And or we could we could bring it into the playoffs if we want to. Ooh, ooh. All right, we'll keep we'll keep talking about it and thinking about it, and let you know. Uh, we'll we'll let the listeners know as soon as we figure it out. Okay. Okay, so that does it for the week that is to come. I uh, just wanted to do a quick thing here, a special holiday edition. Talk about some Christmassy things, Johnny. I'd like to to start off with top three holiday movies. I like Christmas Vacation 1. Okay. Home Alone, probably 2. Home, Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2? 1. You're not, not a New York guy? No, I've actually never even seen it, so... Oh, man. Uh, well, you're you're a little more advanced in age than I am, so... That's wouldn't have been a staple Advanced your, in age. <laughs> wouldn't have been a staple of your childhood. Um, that's That's a good one. I, I, I don't know. Um... There's a lot of bad Christmas movies out there. I've been like no- looking through Netflix. Uh, I th- I'm gonna have to go with Elf. Elf is probably my third. I like Elf. Okay. <clears throat> you? Number one, I think, and and this is purely just because of my experience with this movie. Uh, number one, I'm gonna have to go Jim Carrey's Grinch, and that's because I was like the perfect age when that came out. I was like 11 or something. And this is back in the blockbuster days. And my dad would take us every week to the movie store. And I was allowed to get one Nintendo 64 game and one movie. And that, that's like what I had for the week, right? Well, when The Grinch came out, like six or seven weeks in a row, I got The Grinch as the movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> and going back into the eighth week. Rinse and repeat. My, my dad was like, you're not allowed to get The Grinch. <laughs> I don't he care. Turned into the Grinch. You can go in the you can go in the back room and grab a porno for all I care. You're not allowed to get the Grinch. That's funny. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the Grinch is definitely number one, and then um, not a big elf guy. Uh, kind of stupid. It just those kinds of Will Ferrell movies annoy me. Yeah, I can see that. As far as Will Fer- Ferrell movies. I like Step Brothers and yes. well, yeah. and Talladega Nights, and that's like it. Everything else just drives me crazy. So uh, Elf's not a favorite of mine, but I love, um, and this is going to sound cheesy, but It's a Wonderful Life is yep. just such a classic. And then, am I allowed to say Die Hard? I think so. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with Die Hard because that's I got just... some sleeper picks, too. Um, Jack Frost and The Family Man with Nicolas Cage. Oh, you know what else was really good? Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Yeah, Christina likes that. Uh, and Bad Santa, too. It's funny. <laughs> Bad Santa is funny. Oh, let's not forget about Jingle All the Way as well. I don't know that one. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sinbad. Oh, okay. Yeah, Christina was watching that the other day. <laughs> I guess technically Rent is a Christmas movie, too, or set during Christmas. So uh, I was certainly obsessed with that as a young child to the surprise of no one. (laughs) Um, All right, next I just want to do a quick game. Uh, Best, worst, 
overrated, underrated Christmas shit. Could be food, could be tradition, songs, whatever. Whatever come, whatever comes up for you for Christmas. The best, the worst, the overrated, and underrated. Let's start with overrated. Johnny, what is the most overrated thing about Christmas? Overrated. Um, food's not that great. Christmas food. Not a big duck guy? No. <laughs> nope. Yeah, not a big fan of the food. Uh, the, well, ba- the basketball games on TV, they always sell the shit out of those. Never really that good. <laughs> uh, so there's a couple. Uh, for me, Christmas music is so incredibly overrated. I'm with you, but that yeah, that's the worst. That, so you got you you all right? We'll save that for you. <laughs> People fucking love Christmas music, and they put it on like the minute Thanksgiving happens, and I'm like, guys. I'm going to kill myself if I need to listen to this for five weeks. It's the most (laughs) wonderful time of the year. All right. Johnny, what's... They'll be laughing and dancing and singing and prancing. (laughs) Those aren't the words. (laughs) I made them. Oh, I love it. Um, What's the most underrated thing about Christmas? Underrated. Um, Yeah, I'll go with the movies. I like the movies. I love the, the Christmas movies are great. Yeah, you're right. Um, a lot of good ones. In fact, now I'm mad that I now that I've seen like the list of them, I'm mad that I didn't get on them sooner. Now Christmas is gonna be here tomorrow, and I got locked in the family shit happening, and so it's just not gonna happen. And I'm a little pissed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, traditionally Christmas, like it's the twelve days of Christmas, but it starts on Christmas and goes, yeah, you know, that's go, true. Goes forward. So. That's true. You still got time, buddy. Okay. You still got time. Um, and that's what I tell my uh, my girlfriend about the tree. The tree needs to stay at least till January 6th. So I can get 12 days to wrap my mind around uh, taking everything off of it and then carrying this like shedding needle bush out of my house. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. <laughs> Uh, for me, the most underrated uh, part of Christmas is getting fucking hammered with your relatives. And I feel like it's different than, like, Thanksgiving can be a little contentious. You're not allowed to argue at Christmas. So you just, like, get saucy with your relatives, your loved ones, uh, you know, a little mimosas in the morning while you open presents a little Kahlua in the in the coffee as the kids are going nuts um that's that's i don't know if that's a christmas tradition for you some people got to drive a bunch i try to stay pretty uh yeah don't get too drunk on christmas and okay moving along the worst part of christmas you alluded to it earlier yeah oh yeah the, the the songs the music that's the worst the worst for me, it is the um, the decorations and the all of the shit you have to buy for Christmas. Yeah. Like, I just went out and spent probably $45 on b- bullshit that, like, nobody needs or wants. is just going to, like, get broken in five minutes for my nephews so that their stockings are like bulging you know what i mean because 
a full stocking that just like ha you know you just want it to be like oh and it's i hate that i fucking hate that yeah. that's the worst part of christmas is just like all the waste all all the money spent on wrapping paper for killing trees oh, presents and, alone uh, yeah we just, went amazon shopping like 10 days ago and it was like I don't know. It was at least a grand, like maybe closer to fifteen hundred dollars. Like it's just like, wow, that was a hit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and finally, Johnny, what's the best part of Christmas? Oh, the gifts, yeah, presents. <laughs> Who doesn't love all that shit? You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I could I could say something super cliche like uh, spending time with love loved ones and. Um, you know, the season of giving and getting to watch the kids open gifts and just like feeling the love in the air. But the best part about Christmas is that it is the last true day where fucking nothing happens. It's like the only sacred holiday. Everything is closed on Christmas. Yeah, good point. And I, I just think that's awesome. It, it is an intentional day of hibernation you don't you don't plan to do anything on christmas you can't plan to do anything on christmas because nothing's happening travel um, is also in the worst category other than Especially christmas like if oh you yeah. have to like travel far yeah yeah like i feel bad for that that can be a nightmare yeah yeah and, and shout out to all the hospitality and gas station and uh airlines and and the people who are working on christmas uh first responders yeah uh, people at hospitals UPS and Amazon delivery people. Those people, you know, a shout I out. I saw a guy in England, a UPS worker, 42 years old, and he was working like 70 hours a week. And, you know, he usually does, they, they do on average like 100 parcels a day, I guess, on a regular day. And he was doing like 250 parcels in a day and not getting much sleep. And he had a heart attack and died, 42 years old, two kids. I mean, jeez, that's. That's not what Christmas is about. I so you know that. <laughs> All right, Johnny. Well, I think that's going to do it for this special holiday edition of the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. Uh, you can find all of our stuff on uh, Facebook, obviously on Podbean and Apple Podcasts. And uh, you can hit up Johnny on Twitter at Green Mountain Grinder, Green MT Grinder on Twitter. And you can get the podcast at Green Mountain Sports on Instagram and on Facebook. We will not be having an episode next week as it will be New Year's Eve and we will be otherwise engaged. Uh, so next time you hear from us, we will be recapping the wild card round and looking forward to the divisional round. So uh, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year's. Happy holidays and Happy New Year. We'll see you next year, guys.
your smile You have all the tender sweetness Of a seasick crocodile, Mr. Grinch Well, given the choice between the two of you, I would take the...